Today we're with a rather unique individual. I'm not sure what to call Steve Sims, so I'll say he's a bit of a genie. People go to him with wishes, a little cash, and he makes things happen. He wrote the book called Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. He also hosts the podcast called, you guessed it, The Art of Making Things Happen. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing well, thank you. I want to start out the gate a little bit different because, I mean, your whole life or later life, is making people's dreams happen. And it's spun out of a password. What is your dream? Gosh, truth. What could somebody do for you? Um, let me wake up in the morning. Uh, I openly believe that I'm probably one of the dullest people you can ever meet. Uh, and I'm not trying to kind of like, you know, make it sound all humble and stuff like that, because I'm not. Um, but I don't care. Uh, I love barbecue and I like riding motorcycles. I like my family. I love whiskey. Um, I, you know, I like those things. I don't aspire to go anywhere and I live vicariously through my clients. So I never know what email I'm going to get tomorrow. That's going to send me to India. It's going to send me to Russia. going to send me to, you know, I just came back. We're doing this podcast now and it's, uh, what is it? Middle to Latin March, isn't it? Um, and from the beginning of March, I've done Vegas twice, Poland once, uh, Mexico at the end of January, uh, Sir Elton John's Oscar party at the end of February, and then I've just <laughs> come back off of 10 days in uh, Bangkok and Phuket for a speaking engagement. So my life just is kind of like all over. I never know where it's going to go. And today I got picked up to do another one in Vegas, and I got told I've got to go to Spain and I've got a crew in, in England that want to put something together for me to come to England. So what excites me is being able to wake up in the morning and go, right, what's going to happen today? So that that's what excites <laughs> me. So you're living the dream. It's just everybody else's dream. Do you know? Yeah, it absolutely is. And no other, no other I hate to w- use the word job, but no other career would have allowed me to um, – play in other people's sandpit like this one does. And that's that's where the benefit comes because let's be blunt, we're entrepreneurs, which is code for misfits. We don't fit <laughs> in so many different boxes. We don't fit in so many different worlds. We argue with perspectives, with with um, solutions, with uh, uh, conversations. You know, we're, we're an aggravated bunch. And I somehow, through the grace of God, have found a reason to be able to sing a duet with Andrea Bocelli by the side of David in the Academia of Florence or play piano with Sir Elton John or, or hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio or more ri- richer, not more richer, that's not very good grammar, but richer, <laughs> but unknown people. You know, a lot of people, they will spout all of the famous people I know. Sure. my cl- the, the famous people in my, my Rolodex, make up for 20% of my clientele. The other okay. 80% you've never heard of, but they own things like countries, banks, <laughs> major um, trucking organizations or haulage. I took a client out um, in Bangkok the other day. He's the largest owner of shopping malls in St. Petersburg, Russia. Oh, God. Now, you imagine 
St. Petersburg. You you imagine a, a major area like California and turning sure. around and going, I own pretty much all of the shopping malls in the state of California. You think how rich that landlord's going to be. Yeah, he walks down the road. No one has a clue who he is. He and he probably likes that. buy you a million times over. He probably owns the celebrities that you have. You won't. <laughs> I've got, you know, I hate to digress so early on in the conversation, but you want to give, shall I give you a, 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 a Please. kind of a course, yeah. a course one. I had a, I had a client that I won't be too specific to where he came from in case he realizes I'm talking about him. And a lot of my clients, you don't want to talk about. Um, sure. But I had a client somewhere North Europe, somewhere up there. Okay. And he was in Monaco. And it was during the Cannes Film Festival and then the Formula One Grand Prix. Grand Prix. And he asked me to have um, Antonio Banderas come to his yacht party. Okay? Fair enough. Okay. You know, why do you want to do that? Well, I'm getting married and my future wife, you know, she loves Antonio Banderas and I want him to come over to the party. So I reach out to Antonio and his people and I go, hey, I know you're over there promoting a film. I think it was the, uh, um, the Shrek movies he was doing at the time. So they were at Cannes, and I said, look, you know, could you pop over, boat, blah, 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 you know, we'll pay you, da-da. And they do what all of the uh, the talent do. They request, and they say, well, okay, what is it you're looking to do? You know, Antonio sings, he plays guitar. You know, are you looking to him to recite? Are you looking to him to do a reading? What do you want from his audience? Mm -hmm. So I reached back to my client, and I said, okay, you know, we've got interest now. We've got the time. It's available. Uh, and Antonio's crew have quite respectfully turned around and said, you know, what do you want? You know, what do you want <laughs> him to do at your party? And he turned around and he said, well, my, my fiance loves Antonio Banderas. So I need him to come along, sit in the corner. He can bring a friend with him. We will give him all the drinks, but he's not to interact and talk to any of my clients. <laughs> okay. And I said, okay, you know, why is this? And he said, I need my fiance to realize that I can afford Antonio Banderas. Antonio can't afford me. Oh, good Lord. And I was like, all right. And so I went back to Banderas and I went, uh -uh. no, we don't want this gig. But it was that kind of thing. You've got a, you've got a, um, a, a person like Antonio Banderas and like all talent, you know, they go from, they go from a list to C list back up to a list, you know, you sure. Look, look at um, John Travolta, for argument's sake. He came out of Greece and Saturday Night Live and then was nothing for years. And then Pulp Fiction came out and bang, he was uh, uh, an A-list again. Um, so, you know, it, they do that kind of thing. But we've got to be careful of the talent. We've also got to manage the clients and what they're actually spending money on. But those are the kind of people I get to play with. Yeah, which doesn't always sound fun. How do you deal with um, the Uber egos? Because there has to be some um, well, I'm glad pretty high level folks. Yeah, so. I'm glad you actually brought that up because I don't. So that client actually got kicked out. Um, I don't want to work with pricks or a holes of any size or stature. Um, I really don't care about the money that much. I care about the right client, and then I care about can they afford me. Um, so that client, that was his last gig that we had, we had actually rented him the yacht and stuff. That was the last mm. time we ever worked for that client. Um, we don't want to deal with people that carry that ego, carry that kind of malicious intent, carry that kind of condescending attitude. We don't want them. So the lucky thing that's came about is that by default, because of my attitude on how I cherry pick coming through the front door is we've mm. got 
99.9% self-made entrepreneurs. And mm. those people are searching for experiences, reaction, emotion, engagement, and that's good. You know, I want you to throw a gauntlet at me and go, hey, I would like to do I would like to do something with this. And for me to go, well, yeah, that sounds great. Now let me do how I would do it. Um, mm. And it gi give them this total engagement that they never could re recreate anywhere else. My whole goal is for you to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning going, my God, I can't believe I did that. You know, that's what I want. If I give you what you asked for, I failed. So I always give you what you wanted but failed to ask me. You know, under promise over deliver. Well, it's very easy. You know, if I come to you and you're a baker and I say to you, hey, I want a red cake on Tuesday and you give me a red mm -hmm. cake, you give me what I asked for, you know? But if you right. give me a red cake and there's a bunch of little yellow cupcakes going, hey, I thought these were compliment, you know, try these as well. Oh, thank you very much. You know, it's the classic, you know, add fives with it. So I've never failed on anything a client has ever asked me because I've never given it to them. You know, they come to me and they go, hey, I'd like an exclusive restaurant in Florence. Certainly. I closed down a museum and I get Andrea Bocelli to come in. They didn't ask for any of that. But because I've gone <laughs> for the moon and grabbed some stars on the way down, even if I failed to get what I went for, I'm <laughs> always going to be 400 steps beyond what they actually asked for. That's why I've never failed a client's request because I've never done it for them. That's really fantastic. And I, I think it's a fascinating um, path that you took. It seems to me, looking at it, that you essentially found your way into putting things together and then later reverse engineered how the hell you did it. Yeah, I would say that was accurate. You know, there was definitely a case of um, um, idiot before intelligence. Um, I am the bulldog that just kind of like bashes his, his head on the door until the door opens and then tries to work out an easier way to do it. Um, but so much of my life, so much of my achievement has been because of the pure ignorance of just asking and just going for it. Uh, because so many people are terrified. You ask someone, Hey, what would you do if you could do anything? They will tell you quickly. Oh, I'd like to be in a bathtub with Victoria's Secrets models, or I'd like to play piano with Elton John, or I'd like to go up in a space. They will tell you what they want in five nanoseconds. Mm -hmm. Then they will spend the next 60 seconds telling you why they can't. They'll go, oh, I'd love to play piano with Elton John, but I can't afford it. I don't know how to bloody play piano. I don't even know how to get hold of Elton John. They will tell you why it can't be done rather than focusing on the single reason why it should. And I can never fathom that. So when people go, oh, I'd love to do that, and you turn around and you go, well, have you asked them? Oh, no, I can't do that. You know, it's funny. You said that earlier that um, you called yourself boring. Mm -hmm. And I actually can draw a parallel to that because I live vicariously through people like you who are a guest. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking about it when you said that. And in a weird way, it's like you need your clients to stir your own imagination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you've hit it on the head. I don't know that. And that's that's where you're getting deep now. I'll probably have to get the Kleenex out in a second. <laughs> you are 100% you are correct there. I, I, can, I can lead an incredibly dull, boring existence because quite simply, I don't have the ability to do so. And we've had people that have come along before and they've gone, hey, we want to invest in bluefish. We want to buy bluefish. That's the concierge side. Yeah, we want to do this. We want to do that. 
And it was Claire, my wife turned around to me and she said to me, um, what would you do if you got rid of it? You know, what, <laughs> what would you do? And you, you sit there for a start and you're being offered some like, you know, big figures and you go, Oh, I, I, I don't actually know. And that's where the pain comes in. So I don't have the chance to get bored. Um, I don't have the uh, option to um, get bored in because I, as you say, live vicariously through. If that stopped, then that would be my bloodline. That would be my lifeline. I'm not quite sure I'd want to be there for that party. So you're also doing a podcast now. Yeah. Now, as somebody, and I talked to Jordan Harbinger when I interviewed him, and I noticed that he was really even more of an expert interviewer. He's an expert guest. How has that worked for you? How do you like being on the other side of the microphone? Oh, it's weird. Um, so I have, I have a motto that has lived with me through everything that it was actually Ari Mizell that gave to me. He said, I have an innate ability to get going, then get good. And someone will say, Hey, why don't you try this? And I'll go, yeah, great. And I'll do it and it'll fall down. <laughs> but at least I started and at least I got going. You can always tweak. You can always make better. Uh, you can always <laughs> get good, but very few people get going. And so literally I was at an event. Funny enough, I was at the event with Jordan. And we were, at an event, <laughs> um, we were at an event in Encino uh, with, um, uh, oh, God, I'm going to forget his name now, Piers, Piers Bristow at his house. And we were chatting away, and there was a guy up there talking about the, the technology he uses to record podcasts and all these different platforms and stuff like that. And then he turned around and he said, oh, and this one's a really, really good one. Uh, and he went, oh, Sims, you're probably doing a podcast, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. And so mm. all I did was I went onto my uh, my Facebook page and I went, just been asked, should I do a podcast? Now, I've, I've been the guest on many, many podcasts. I think I mentioned mm -hmm. you, just over 320 now. And I thought to myself, shall I do one? So I asked, shall I do a podcast and get my friends and uh, folks on there? And I had a lot of people go, yay, you should. So I started. I bought a, I, <laughs> you can laugh at me later, but I bought my Yeti mic. I mm. bought my... Um, yeah, I know your eyes are rolling back now. I bought my Yeti mic, which uh, Michael O'Neill says is the best doorstop in the planet. Um, yeah, there's other good uses for it, too. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I bought my Yeti mic. I bought a couple of other things, and I thought, right, here I go. And it was crap, um, but I had started. And so sure. I recorded about three or four, and then it was uh, actually Michael O'Neill that said, hey, you, you, you've got to get a, con uh, a, a compressor mic and not a dynamic mic. Actually, no, the other way, way around. around. Other way around. Other way around. I need a dynamic mic. Correct. I was like, well, okay. So he advised me on that. And then I noticed the quality was good. Now, what mm -hmm. that does to the first three is it bins them. So then you go back to those first three people and you go, it was shit. Let's try again. And it ended up, I did 18 episodes and we'd mm -hmm. gone back to the first six we still dumped another one of those three and we ended up getting 11 out of what we'd ended up doing probably about 24 on. Is um, that why there's no episode two? <laughs> do you know that we pulled off episode two because we had to tweak it and, and edit it because what it was promoting wasn't available anymore. And when mm. we put it back up again, it didn't slot into number two. So it went one, three and we're like, <laughs> ah, screw it. So, you know, I didn't worry about it too much, but yeah, there's a, uh, um, that's why there's no number two, but that was what we did. We tried it. I found that being a guest was far easier than being an interviewer. 
Um, yeah. And that was that was in, interesting for me. And I found I found a lot of things happening. I found that I spent too long on the introduction at the beginning. I found that um, I gave too many of the highlights away and didn't allow the client to reveal um, mm-hmm. the guest to reveal them during the conversation. There was all these things you learned um, sure. that now makes my last ones probably better than my beginning ones. Um, but it was a case of I, I started. Um, my guests are pretty cool. You know, we spoke earlier about Chris Voss. Um, Absolutely. You know, I had Great Chris guess. Voss on there, you know, in- incredible negotiator formerly with the FBI. I've had Andrew the, uh, Yang. Sorry? Andrew Yang. Yeah, I had Andrew Yang on there. Um, I had America's number one prostitute on there. Um I had uh, Ken Craig. How do you determine that? Hold, hold on. I, I got to stop you on that because there, there's a, another friend of mine, uh, Chase Hughes, and he's close friends with the number one porn star in the world. A porn um, star, okay, Rachel, yeah. Yeah, Rachel Starr. And all right. I could do is think, okay, is there some sort of guide? Uh, um, what is it? Uh, 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 God, a Michelin star for prostitutes or, or, or porn stars. How do you determine, oh, this is the number one prostitute in the know, world? That's when she got introduced <laughs> to me. And I asked her that question, and she is a. Oh, you did ask that. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, damn right. You know, I I didn't know if they had to like go and do a course or something or to show technique and ability. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I actually asked her that, and she said that um, it, she works in Reno, and uh, so they have to register with the state how many times hmm. they get requested. Okay. Oh, so there's okay. that for a start, and also earnings. Um, now here's the daft thing, which, which really boggled me about her. And she's a great girl. If you want her as a guest, I'll be more than happy to introduce oh, you. She's a phenomenal lass, but she said, the weird thing is she has to expose, obviously not the client's name, but the requests and the income she gets. That's actually public knowledge. Ah, okay? I see. So this position gets <laughs> X dollars on this charge. Bingo. So she is the number one earner the number one requested legal prostitute in America. But here's the dumb thing. Because she's registered as a prostitute, she's not searchable under social networks like Twitter because it's an adult content. So on one uh. side, it's very public knowledge, but she can't have a social thread under her, her name. It's, it's really messed up. She's a, she's a cool cat, but we had, we had her. Oh, we had Father Greg Boyle, who only employs former felons from uh, uh, L.A. County. Um, we have Ken Cragen. Have you ever heard of Ken Cragen? I have not. No, you see, he's the most famous person that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> oh, there you, you go. <laughs> so he got a phone call about 15 years ago from a gentleman by the name of Michael Jackson, mm. who said, I want to do a song that's going to be for charity for Africa. And so, uh, Ken contacted Quincy Jones and, uh, put together the record. We are the world. Mm. So okay. Ken Cragen was the most well-known, although not to me and you, uh, producer and agent of the 80s and 90s and put together the entire We Are The World thing just by personally phoning people up going, hey, Bruce, do you want to be on We Are The World? Yeah, I'd like to do it. You know, hey, do you want to? Yeah, we'll do it. And so he was the guy to put it together. If you watch the video, you'll see him on there. But everyone knows everyone knows Michael Jackson did it and Quincy Jones did it. It was Ken. That's fascinating, though, because I imagine, you know, a lot of people like that. And I had a former guest on who probably was the most listened to voice on the planet, but you wouldn't know her if you crossed her in the street. Oh, Susan Bennett. She was original voice of Siri. 
Ah, yeah, yeah. She's so, Australian, isn't she? Uh, no, there's an Aussie one as well. Um, Susan's out of Atlanta. But right, okay. That that's a perfect example. I mean, can you think of any voice that was listened to more? <laughs> She's also the voice of Delta, the voice of Amtrak in California. And so she's everywhere, but you would never know her. I love people like that. I, lo- I love those stories. Me and people, they just walk down the street and, uh, you know, you go, hey, you know, what do you do? And they go, well, I own this country. You know, oh, I own this. I own this. Oh, I funded this. Um, those are the people that fascinate me. I love being at a table uh, with those people. In fact, I, I had a, um, a meal once. Um, this is going back about five years ago with Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweil. And Ray Kurzweil was the guy that actually invented Siri. And he invented Siri years Mm. before there was even a platform technical enough to be able to host his invention. Yeah, that was Nuance. Yeah. Nuance. She did the recordings for Nuance. There you go. And Siri was an app, and it was named after his daughter, if I recall, uh, it was a son, daughter, but they didn't know which names. So they kind of picked a gender neutral name and then it became the app. That was right. Yeah. 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 So it's just interesting. Um, and he was the guy behind the documentary transcendence man about oh, cool. uploading your thoughts, uh, that actually ended up becoming the, uh, slightly twisted movie with Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> but if you ever get the chance to see the actual documentary on it, it's a, and I'll be put, I'll be, um, kiddie friendly here. It's a mind mess of what uh, people are doing out there about how they're actually uploading your memories. Uh, it, it, it will mess with your mind when you watch this movie of where you begin and where you stop being you. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Oh, I'm sure it's terribly frightening. And another observation about you. I'm just curious. Do you have um, the ability to get along with curmudgeons or that you like curmudgeons? I, I actually do. And they actually make me giggle um, because they have a viewpoint. They have an opinion. Okay. And nine Mm -hmm. times out of 10, well, not nine times out of 10, but seven times out of 10, it'd be wrong. Um, And anyone that has an opinion or is feel strongly about something, you know, Mm -hmm. I like chatting with because I want to know why, why do you think that, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. good. It's those people in the world now that actually value themselves based on the selfie they got next to a car they don't own or the selfie of them on mm. a yacht or jet that they don't own. Those people I, I have no tolerance with. Imagine it's just someone who goes, oh, I don't like that. It's stupid. And then you can play with them. You can go, why is that? You know, it's a jealousy, you know, just, and then it's that. <laughs> but they like, play If you hit them right, they play. Oh, they do. They do. And and you can have some great fun with people. I love people that have got opinions, uh, right or wrong. It's your opinion. And I want to know <laughs> what happened, what transpired to make you think that your opinion is stronger and more accurate than mine. And do you know the funny <laughs> thing is? When you actually ask that question, sometimes it will mess with your opinion and it will give you a different perspective. And you'll go, I never thought about that. My opinion is no longer my opinion. My opinion is your opinion. And so it's really good. So, yeah, I love those people. It's the flakes of the planet that I have no time for. (laughs) Boom, another checkbox. So you like being proven wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I bring it on. You know, you got, you want someone to argue with? Pour the whiskey. I'm there. I, ironically i've um stated that about the show 
I enjoy asking somebody something and then having them tell me, no, that's not right. And then correcting <laughs> me because that's when I learn. Oh, if yeah. I just yap, 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 yap along and nobody corrects me or pushes back at all, then I'm not really learning. I'm, I'm forgetting what I'm saying halfway before I'm done saying it. Where's the growth? You know, the whole exactly. point, the whole point of energy and life is to grow, is to try. I have this stupid thing in, in, in my philosophy. The, the thing that keeps me going is every week I have to try something different. Okay. Mm. I have to, I, I, it's what I'm frightened of is being the same person next week that I am today. Now I'm here on a Monday today. Okay. What have <laughs> I done today? I haven't failed at anything today. Guarantee you this week I will fail at something because if I'm not failing, <laughs> I'm not growing. If come next week, I've not tried something different, then I actually get very upset. This can even be down to um, music, food. I'll go to a restaurant. I'll look at the appetizer menu, and there'll be one thing on there that I don't remember. My kids hate it, but I mm. wonder if they're learning from it. I'll go, what the hell's that? I'm having that. <laughs> and I will order an appetizer, which I've never had before, because how can I tell you whether or not I like it or not if I've never mm. had it? I have therefore eaten some of the strangest things in the bloody planet as I travel around. And I've discovered there's a lot of things that should never actually be on a menu. But again, <laughs> I would not know those things had I not tried. I said, Luden Fisk, anyone? Yeah. I, <laughs> I said to someone the other day that I had, um, I have a, uh, I have a, um, a radio tuner, uh, app. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's called my radio or something. And you can go on there and you can just do random. And I was on um, electronic dance music from, I think it was um, Israel or Tel Aviv, okay? Mm. And I listened to the radio show for about two hours of this, what they called EDM from, from Tel Aviv, okay? Oh, I could tell you a band out of there that's freaking phenomenal, Infected Mushroom. It's one really? of my favorite bands. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I realized after two hours that I fucking hated EDM from Tel Aviv, but I would never have known that had hmm. I not tried to listen to it. Now, for me, it was just now. Th this is also the downside when you're listening midday in California, you're listening at midnight there. So, mm, okay. not all the best tunes are being played at midnight in a country. <laughs> so, I've had uh, like basically like two hours of like, tss, 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 you know, that. And I was like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. So, I don't think I listened to maybe the best stuff but it was just one of those things you just gotta try <laughs> yeah infected mushroom is kind of like edm crashing into industrial infected mushroom i am going yes. to try that you have to they're a fantastic band i've um i've run four marathons and a 50k and their music helps pull me through some dark dark pain caves all right, I'll try that. i actually did a gig while, a while ago a speaking gig and the uh, the act after me was wiz khalifa and so, and uh, I was asked by one of his team, you know, so, so what tunes do you like of Wiz Khalifa? I said, Does he sing? Never even heard of the bloody guy. I said, so, you know, let's find out once he's been on, if I like him. Does but, he just uh, point? Uh, <laughs> Every time I've seen him go on TV, he just points. Oh, does he? <laughs> it's I, like, I, somebody will be out there singing a bit and he's like, hey, 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 and he points. I'm like, oh, oh I, well, I want that. He gig. just, he walked around in a cloud of smoke, like, you know, constantly smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, he's a walking health hazard. Yeah, good times. <laughs> you know, it's circling back to the curmudgeons because I love tipping on that. You don't like the term authentic. 
And is it because we like to slap the label on things of being authentic versus actually just be a freaking person? Yeah, I think it's because we, to me, it's, it's qualifying or confirming that there is something very, very wrong with us. The fact that we are looking at someone and going, oh, he's so authentic, mm-hmm. really leads to the, the obvious notion that the rest of the planet is not, and that we're okay yeah. to settle with that. You know, we shouldn't be walking up to someone going, oh, that person's authentic. My God, the authenticity with that guy. Oh, he's so authentic when he talks. We should be looking at the rest of the planet and going, when I follow shit, I'm not <laughs> willing to accept that. But that's what we're doing. We're walking up to people that we should accept as authentic. It's like me walking up to you and going, whoa, you're breathing air. Oh, my God. you're be- It's amazing how you're breathing air. I hate it. So when someone looks at me and goes, hey, you're authentic, it bothers me because it validates that the rest of the planet, not all of them, but a damn great slice of them are not. And so I like to use the word transparency. I like to keep everything transparent. I want people, and I'm sure your listeners, by 10 seconds into this, without seeing me or knowing anything about my background, can be pretty damn qualified to go, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. It gets shit done. He wasn't. He wasn't trained at Harvard or Oxford. Um, this is as deep as he gets. Great. I've done my job because I want you to be able to communicate with me in a transparent manner, where you know what I'm like. I know what you're like, and from that right. decision, we can understand whether or not we're going to get on. But authenticity should not be a bloody badge of honor. It should. It should validate that the rest of the planet is crap. Well, also, it's kind of bullshit too. Like, um, I've had a great talk with Mark Bowden, who's a body language guy. And he's like, yep. Authentic. Well, authentically, I didn't want to get up and do this podcast. It's tiring. I could be sleeping right now. <laughs> you know, there's a certain level and Seth Godin brings it up well too. I think where it's professionalism, we want to represent ourselves to be who we are, but we also are acting as a professional, not just how we feel like, Oh, I'm going to go in flip flops because I don't feel like going or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a sad, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. I understand the requirement as Seth touches on that you want to give an amplified, more polished version of yourself. Um, right. I always say that whenever I meet someone for the first time, I haven't met them until the second time because the first time is really just what you want me to be impressed with. Um, Right. So, you know, I, I, I'm always a believer in that. And, and we need that. You know, when you're trying to put your best foot forward, when you're trying to give the best impression, I respect all of that. But don't carry it on. Uh, I'm a great believer that right. it takes zero effort to be you. And no one did anything fantastic by following others. That's, that's my opinion. But there are certain behaviors and things that show professionalism. Like um, you're one of the few guests that was already on here waiting for me. Before the hour, you know, a lot of times the guests, they kind of drift a few minutes after, or it doesn't quite line up, but you said it, you're you, timely. You sent me, you sent me an email saying, please be prepared, you know, 10 to five minutes prior to, to the time. And you're professional. So therefore that's what I'm saying. There are certain things like that. It's like, we may act one way or another. I mean, like Steve jobs, he wore his tennis shoes and his turtleneck and he had his little yep. imaging, but you couldn't find anybody who was more obsessively you know, point on. Yeah. I just think, I think one of the things that we're losing 
in today's day. And I, hey, if you think it's professional, brilliant. I just think it's respect and courteous. You know, if someone says, hey, you're coming on a show at 2.30, could you please be available by, by 2.25? Then fine. Great. Perfect. You know, I, I want, I, I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be grateful to do so because you've asked me to do so. So I actually, um, oh God, this is probably going to make people avoid me, but I had a meeting years ago and this guy wanted to meet me for breakfast. And mm-hmm. I said, sure, you know, 10 o'clock. And he's like, great, you know, we'll meet. So I shot down there and I got there five to 10, picked my table. Um, and so, you know, I'm waiting for him. And he didn't turn up and like five past 10, I order my breakfast. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I order my breakfast. Breakfast is there. He turns up about 20 past 10 and uh, I'm just finishing off my breakfast. And uh, he's like, oh, so sorry. The traffic was late. Oh, it was terrible. And I said, well, I'm sure it was the same traffic that I went through to get hmm. here. And you know, funny enough here, I got here on time, by the way, I wanted you to have this note. And um, on the top of the note, I'd say uh, I put on there something about be on time next time. And I passed it to him. I got up and I left. It was the um, tab for my breakfast. <laughs> I just, I'd just given it to him. Bottom line of it is, if you can't be on time to see me, end of conversation. You know, or at least now, let you know. Ahead yeah, of time. there are. Th- look, people will have things happen in their life. You know, there will be, unfortunately, car accidents. There will be issues. There will be sure. something happen before they came. But that doesn't stop you just reaching out by phone. Now, the guy was in a car. Everyone's phone's <laughs> connected to a car. He could have buzzed me going, Just Steve, I am so sorry. Um, something's happened. I, I've hit a real tough bit of traffic. It's two minutes past 10. I was hoping to be there on time, but it looks like I'm going to be there 20 minutes later. Grab the breakfast. It's, it's all on me. So, you know, I'm right. sorry. And I would have been fine with it. But for the guy to just talk, wandering and go, Oh, Travis, yeah. Done. Bye. See you later. Never met him again. Well, and I'm guessing that was in the LA area. <laughs> it, it was LA, but I don't hold um, I don't hold double standards depending on what time zone you're in. If I've got an appointment with you in New York, Dubai, oh, Japan, then uh, it's the exact same thing. You don't show when you're you're, you're requested to show, then um, I'm done. Fair enough. Going on to a little more on the authentic um, personal brand. Um, a previous guest I had on, and there's a lot of parallels there. Um, Christopher Lockhead. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He wrote a fantastic book and you have actually accomplished what he wrote the book about, which is called category creation. Um, And his, his whole premise in life is don't be better, be different because being better means you're playing in somebody else's pool. Yeah, that's good. Yep. So you literally have created your own lane. You know, nobody else is doing the blue fishing thing. So um, one of the things that he is not in love with is personal brand. And he rails against it. And I kind of agree with him there that we're focused on how we look or what we do or how we dress and things like that versus our actions leading to our reputation. We should probably worry more about our reputation versus our brand. I was curious your thoughts. He's not wrong and not right. Too many people focus on their, their brand because they focus on an image that's not them. 
And those are the people that are leaning up against the cars, the jets, the yachts, the swimwear models going, you want a PC, you want to make a million dollars a month, you want to do this. Mm. That to me is marketing. That is not personal branding. To me, personal branding is being, being seen and being known for what you stand for. Now, you just mm. used a perfect example of personal branding with zero effort being Steve Jobs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Personal branding can always be, uh, can also be Gary V. You know, you know, you know what Gary V is, you know, he's, he's there. He's got his hoodie on. I uh, saw his beanie on. He's got his K swish, you know, he's doing his New York bit. That's his personal brand. Okay. Mm. I think, I don't think you should focus on personal brand as a visual. I think you should focus on personal branding as a substance. So I want people to go along and meet me and go, I know what you stand for. I know you can't spell, but I know you, (laughs) you know, to me, personal branding is to be uh, obvious to what you are, not what you perceived or visually look like. So if I suddenly, I'll do stupid stuff. Like I did a posting on my Instagram page yesterday. No, not yesterday, about a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went up to an elephant farm in Chiang Mai, North, uh, North Bangkok. And there was this stunning, beautiful elephant. And, uh, I'm just playing around with his elephant. And I did this posting and it said, no, I don't own this elephant. Like you don't own that jet. Ooh, and love it. <laughs> I had, I had complaints and it was just a case of, I'm a great believer in substance over shine. And if you right. focus on what you stand for, your mission your soul, your substance, mm-hmm. then that becomes your brand because your brand is what you stand for, not what you look like. So I, I, he's correct. You shouldn't worry about the visual. You should, you should worry about standing true to your, to your morals and your values, and that will be what you stand for, and what you stand for is your brand. And your post is perfect. I mean, it's polarization. Yeah. And you get a lot of um, traffic and heat from being polarizing. Sad, but true. Yeah. You just, I just, I call it as I see it. It is what it is. Um, if you don't like it, there's others to follow. Um, you want to argue with me? I'm fine with that. You know? So it's just, it's just one of those things. I think my wife thinks that I like to be a bit argumentative and confrontational. And I think she's not wrong. (laughs) Are you playing though? Am I what? Are you playing? Playing with who? with people are you poking at them poking the bear a little bit just to um, see if you get a reaction out of them not yeah, necessarily I, trying to yeah. attack them but just kind of like so what's that all about Why, uh, and you kind of tease a little and see if they Again, play back he's trying to find why you believe your opinion is better than mine and mm. there's been a few that i did there was one i did last year there's this guy arnie and he's got a, a facebook page that's I think one of the largest uh, um, communities of millennials. And I mm. went back on there. Um, I went on there and did a, uh, did a slate on me, uh, on millennials. There was some little picture <laughs> and it was oh, like boy. in 1914, um, these 18 year olds were looking for a safe place to avoid being shot. Um, in, in 2014, <laughs> they're looking for a, a safe place to um, reveal that sensitive side or something. You know, it was, a, it was a real nice. stab. Um, sure. And I posted it and mm-hmm. there was so many, I had people going, Steve's just playing. Steve's poking the bear. Steve's <laughs> looking for reaction. And a lot of people going, don't sound off because he's waiting for that. 
And then I had a lot of people just, you know, trying to kind of like vote. There was one guy that put up a voting system to get me kicked out of the millennial, 53 years old, and I'm in a millennial community. So that's fun. <laughs> but there were all these people that were having a go. And I just said, I want, look, this is the opinion people have. How mm-hmm. you respond to it is going to tell them, well, well, I'm right, you know, or, hey, I'm wrong. And it really gave me, so, so for some of those people that were bickering at me, it just validated that they were little children and had not grown up. And then there were some people in there that you just saw an immense amount of, 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 of age wisdom on their shoulders at the age of 17 years old. Um, so I do like to go in there and poke, you know, the, the classic, as we just said, you know, no, I don't own this elephant. Like you don't own this jet. Sure. You, you're sitting on like a, a private jet. I know for a fact, you know, in Burbank airport, and I saw it the other day, People rent these planes, not to bloody go anywhere, to sit there, drop open the door, and they go on Instagram. there, and they're taking all the pictures, or they're walking up to it, and they're, they're getting the slow-mo as they walk up the uh, the steps. Who does that impress? I think that's impressing them. Um, because it definitely, and I've often said, hey, if, if me stood next to a new Ferrari impresses you, we shouldn't know each other. So mm. it's I do like to poke. I do like to prod because I want to create a reaction so it will validate to me, are you worth something? Are you not? What's your perspective? What's your argument? Because just like you, we grow from hearing other people's arguments, other people's viewpoints, other people's perspectives, and there's a great amount of growth from that. Oh, yeah, and it's always fun when people push back. It is funny as well. (laughs) And on that note, um, because we're getting close on time, what are your blind spots? Now, you've talked a bit about being true to yourself and kind of, I'd say, sold out or kind of claimed it as a sort of sellout with a Ferrari story. What is your biggest threat right now? What keeps you up at night? Well, that's quite uh, quite a deep one. What keeps me up at night? I I hate to, to say this, but nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I, angels. I have – no, I just <laughs> – I love working 28 hours a day um, because what I do is invigorating and motivating. Even when you moan about it, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I had to, I told you I went to Thailand in Vegas and I actually spoke in San Diego as well. So in one weekend I flew into Vegas, flew back to LA, drove down to San Diego and then drove straight to the airport to go to Bangkok. Now that was stupid. I want to do a podcast <laughs> in the tar- in the in the car on the way up to the airport. That was ridiculous because that took it out of me. Mm. Um, but how ridiculous was that when you're being paid to be in three different, not only counties but countries, you know, two different countries, and you're flying around the planet to do it? So we moan about things that to other people they go, "Oh my god, are you kidding?" I remember my dad. My dad phoned me up one day, and there was two gigs that I was working on. Um, one was a speaking gig and the other one was an event I was doing in Rome and I had to from LA go to Rome, come back and then go back to Poland. And I was really upset because I couldn't push the gig closer between Poland and Rome and just make that the shorter hop. Okay. And I'm moaning to my dad about, you know, having to fly first class and then I've got to Mm. pay and then I've got to pay. He hung up on me and I just thought to myself, yeah, there are some things you just shouldn't moan about. You should just, (laughs) but it's the truth. This it is, is the truth. We grow into things. Bad my life is. Yeah, right. And so I phoned him back up and he was and I was like, Hey dad, he was like, 
all right, hey, how are you? And he just was a blue, he just ignored the fact that he'd hung up on me. So <laughs> I think what, what would scare me, and I mentioned it earlier, is lack of growth and lack of uh, uh, attempt. So mm. if, if it got to a stage where Thursday I hadn't tried something different, listened to something new, read a different perspective, poked the bear a little bit, if I hadn't have done any of that, then come Friday I'd start getting a bit worried. Um, but I need to be challenged. I need to see what I'm going to do. I need to see what I'm capable of. You know, my, my dad once said to me that no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned mm -hmm. by staying there. And when you fall down, you actually get up taller. You know, it's the, it's the classic elastic mm -hmm. band thing. So every time I fail, I learn a way not to do something. And I expand. I grow. And there's nothing more empowering than picking yourself up from a mistake or failure and realizing, damn, I pulled that and I, I went wrong and then I got out of it. So that's empowerment. So I think what would really keep me up at night is for me to one day just go, I'm going to settle. I'm not going to try anymore. And I think that's when I'd probably start going stale and roll over and die. <laughs> I have a feeling your wife won't let you. I don't think she will. We're very, very good yin and yang. And she definitely. She'd be like, you, you know, need to get out of the house. Go, yeah, yeah. Go. She she, uh, she pokes the bear and she's like, you know, is that what you're going to do today? You know, really going to sit on your ass and read that? Yeah. So, yeah, she's very good for me. <laughs> well, hey, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a treat, man. It's been a pleasure, but I've enjoyed the conversation. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please check out unstructuredpod.com. There you can find all the episodes, free subscription information, and most of the players and even how to contact me. I would love to hear from you. You can even set up a 15-minute call with me about the show or anything you like. Again, it's at unstructuredpod.com, and I hope to hear from you. Now, in the spirit of sharing, here are other shows you may want to consider checking out. Thanks again. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm.